I'm not sure. Am I supposed to look at you, or I don't know? What do people do during podcasts? Do they do they make eye contact? I know. I'm so used to like a podcast means you call someone, or right? yeah. But a lot, I guess a lot of normal podcasters they're actually together talking because it creates that whole conversational vibe that you're supposed to have. This is much more conversational than um, if we were on the phone. So, um, hey everybody, um, JB is uh, here sitting in um, my kitchen. Uh, as our respective children um, play in what looks like the sandbox outside. So that'll be fun cleaning them up. Yeah, you know what? I bought an extra bag of sand in case we, we lose some in the overflow. Uh, so happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody listening to this. Um, we, um, we are coming off an exciting afternoon. We're going we're gonna to get to the Knicks in a second. Um, but we actually took in um, another of uh, New York's distressed franchises yesterday uh, at the good old confines of City Field. Yep, that's right. We tried to do, let's bring the kids. So, you know, I have a six-year-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, and then Scarlet Ray is... Is two, uh, close. I think she's right between two-and-a-half and three. She's so, getting there. So the, yeah, so to set the scene, pretty much that's probably all we have to say is the ages of the three <laughs> kids that we attempted to, you know... Take in a Mets game. Well, our big thing was we said we just want it to be like an official baseball game. Yes. If you make it through four and a half innings, we can say we went to a game. And we literally made it through four and a half innings, and then we were outside the gate. So we spent – did we ever spend more than one inning in one place? No, right, because our strategy is we're going to keep moving. But the problem was it was a nice day yesterday, but where our seats were, way upstairs, it was in the shade and with the wind. So my – uh, three and a half year old was freezing and we had just got him the helmet ice cream because we wanted to go for everything. <laughs> it was actually looking back. That was probably some poor planning. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do the helmet ice cream and go to the coldest part of the stadium. Like when my, <laughs> you know, when my little one's like, I don't want ice cream cause she's too cold. You know, it's a problem. Yeah. Um, and then, so we, well, we started out on the, the shade bridge, then went up to the seats and then we were down in the, the area where the kids can like take that little mini field which you were dutifully waiting online for. Yes. For about a half an hour, and you made it about 20 feet before um, the moms and me got tired chasing around. Yeah, and they're like, let's go. And I'm like, I just waited in this line, and I'm almost at the end, and you guys want you to pull me out. No, you were not almost at the end. <laughs> you were halfway to the turn, and then after the turn, yeah, there, no, was there was another to go. There was another stretch. So, um, but then we came back here, and. Um, Put the kids to bed and tapped into um, my six-pound bag of gummy bears. Yes, a favorite. Okay. Yes, which we were enjoying as we watched uh, the Toronto Raptors make their first NBA final. So congrats to them. Um, and why don't we start there? Um, so the Toronto Raptors made a trade that I think I think like. 20 to 25 GMs probably make that trade, the Kawhi trade, right? You think that many? Well, in their situation, I guess that's what we're getting to, right? Is in their situation, um, you know, is it as, you know, I think people deservingly so are giving credit for taking the risk to yeah. make this move, knowing that Kawhi might not stay there. Yes. But given the Raptor situation, meaning you're in a city that's not New York or LA, you're not, I mean, I'm a Leafs fan, so I even know from the hockey side, Toronto, you know, hockey capital of the world, a lot of the players are yeah. from Toronto, and before, sorry Islander fans, but before they got Tavares, they literally could not get any free agents, and this is the hockey team, so the idea that the How did they get Tavares, then? It, it just was really strange, like, he's from there, he grew up a oh, Leafs fan. Oh, he's from there, oh, I didn't so know he, okay. Yeah, so it really was, like, it seemed obvious, but that said, okay. there's been other stars in that same position that have chosen not to come. Okay. So the idea that the basketball team was going to, you know, is going to be a place that could get a free agent, they, they just aren't. So that, you know, it's a little different than we know as Knicks fans about, okay, do you trade for a guy that you can maybe sign? And yeah. I, I think that's why you're saying a lot of GMs would have 
I mean, well, and and plus, let's also put it into some context. Masai Ujiri, when he took the Toronto job, took it with the, I think, the implicit intention of blowing it up. And that's why they almost made the Kyle Lowry to the Knicks deal. Right. And then something funny happened, and they traded Rudy Gay, started winning games, and then the next season happened, and they kept winning games, and it's like the, the right opportunity never came for him to blow it up until this past summer when I think they may have started to go down that road with firing Casey, and then the, the Kawhi trade happened. So it's like he got to kind of have his cake and eat it too in that – and we still don't know if it's going to work out just because they're in the finals, I guess. But that doesn't mean Kawhi is definitely going to stay there. No, no, I don't think so. But I, I think at this point, if the odds before this series were like 25%, I think it's probably close, you know, 50-50 now. But even mm-hmm. if he leaves, then guess what? You got Lowry on an expiring. You got um, Serge Baca on an expiring – then he gets to blow it up. And if he stays well, then, I mean, obviously something has gone very well. Right. Yeah, and I guess the question, too, is does just getting to the finals uh, make it worth it? I mean, to me, again, I get we all wish for every team, right, you're trying to be competitive for long stretches. You're, you want to win many championships, but only one team wins every year. There's yeah. 30 teams in the league. This could be the high point. Like, this Toronto team, like 20 years from now, they're still talking about as, you know, this high point that made the finals. And sometimes yeah. it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Cause like, you're just not every single year going to go to the finals. So I kind of yeah. feel like one, if you build a team that gets to a finals, you've done a lot of your job. And, and again, he, they had no better option. There was not a single player on the market either last summer or arguably in any regular summer that you can go out and get. And it's going to put your team in a position to be able to do this. And again, worst case scenario, he leaves. It's not the end of the world because you're you're out from under that DeRozan money, which I'm sorry is not a, a, a not a contract that I would want as a Knicks fan. Right. Um. So well, let's so now let's bring it back to the Knicks. And we've been talking a lot about this Anthony Davis trade stuff for a little while, and I think it's the reason I think it's worth talking about. And I know there's a lot of Knicks fans probably listening to this, and they're just like, stop talking about this because. We we're finally doing things the right way, and there and you know me and Jeremy went back and forth about this. Like trading for Anthony Davis would represent doing things the wrong way, and I'm not going to sit here now the day after the Raptors made the finals and be like, well, them making the finals is now proof that trading for Anthony Davis suddenly becomes a better idea. I don't think that's the case, but I do think to to ignore the good things that could happen as a result of making such a deal. That's number one. And two, I'm sorry, but I, and we'll, we'll get into this, the, with the Clippers in a little bit. I don't think KD is anywhere near a a certainty. I don't think it's a, a definite possibility. And, you know, this is what you were saying last night. It's like, they want to start, you know, they want to start winning games. Yeah. Well, I think they want to get, a legit top star, a yeah, superstar, right? And I, I mean, I even hesitate to say top five. It's just the point is a guy that you consider a superstar. And sometimes it's hard to put the the number on it, you know, whether it's top five, top ten. But the point is, Anthony Davis falls in whatever you want to call the category, and that's different than. And I know, I guess there's some that would disagree at the time, but like to me, when they got Mellow, the difference was. He, to me, wasn't quite at that class. And then even if he was, he was going to be a free agent that summer. Yeah. And he, it just was a different situation where now with Anthony Davis, I think he is in that class. He's got the one full year left. Yeah. And there's no guarantee. He's not like Melo saying, I'm definitely signing in New York. And that's where it ties back to me to Kawhi. Because it's saying you're trading for someone who's not a guarantee. And I think a lot of Knicks fans have the, you know, the post stress from the mellow trade because he was pretty much, yeah, there's the Brooklyn rumors, but he was pretty much signing with the Knicks in two months. And instead, and there's a lot with the CBA was changing because of the lockout. There was that part of it too. He wanted his money before the lockout, but you know, he was going to probably sign there no matter what. I don't, how could anyone say that? And, and, 2020, we know for sure Anthony Davis is signing with the Knicks. Well, we can, we can't, and and then this is where it gets into the differences because to to just say to repeat what I just said a minute ago, um, Masai Ujiri was in a situation where this was like 
this was the best option. Like, he had every reason to take this chance. If anything, you could argue that the Knicks, because they're in a theoretically more desirable location where a free agent might want to come, um, and it's not like they would be like unloading a, a questionable contract in DeMar DeRozan, but instead would be unloading all these kids to trade for mm-hmm. Davis. Like, they're not in the same situation. The reason why it's interesting to me is because if you're trading for Davis, and I think this is something, like, there's there's this perception out there that it's like, all right, if you trade for Davis and you get KD, then it makes sense. Right. But I'm actually starting to think of scenarios where, like, so, again, let's say this Clippers thing is a real thing, and we're, we're going to – that's the second half of the pod, which we'll get into in a few minutes. If he goes elsewhere, then at that point, you as the Knicks can still not only trade for Davis, but you could sign other max guys. Like, you could trade for Davis and sign, let's say, for example, Kemba and Jimmy Butler. Like, how would that team look next year? Right. And I think that's a real possibility. Right, right. No, they have they have other options. And then the difference, too, is they're not adding Davis. Like, Toronto was adding Kawhi to a team that was already good. Really good, yeah. So the Knicks are, would be saying in, the, in this scenario, if you took out Durant, let's add Davis to a team that's bad while also yes. taking away the players who you were hoping develop to make them good. So it, that's, I think, really the key difference. So if we just kind of started off the, you know, by saying, why does it, why is it different than say mellow in terms of how you look at it? Okay, that's one piece of it. But then the other piece is, you know, you're you're also not if you don't get one of those free agents like Durant, yeah, you know, you're saying, okay, I'm going to take a 17 win team, add one player, and also take away players from that 17 win well, team. Well, but together. hold on though. You're taking away players that didn't necessarily that are, and this is really this is why it's so complicated. Who are you taking away? You're taking away theoretically Kevin Knox. Um, well, if you don't have to match salaries, I guess you're saying you're probably doing draft. Picks. Well, in my scenario, where you're trading for Davis and signing two guys, you are essentially trading all. The, yeah. you're, you're trading everybody, but you're not exactly trading guys who maybe they help. Maybe Kevin Knox helps you win next year. Right, but they wouldn't necessarily anyway. And, you know, I think like Zach Lowe is saying it on his podcast with, I think it was Kevin Arnovitz. There is, you know, all this is, you know, you're weighing risks. There's different scenario outcomes that could happen. And I think the way Zach Lowe put it is there's a chance Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, they are just bad. And Frank. Oh, and Frank, right, right. I'm forgetting him, right. So those three, while you can make a case individually for each three, and especially given their age. But you also could make a case that all three are bad. And there's a chance R.J. Barrett is an, an inefficient, high-volume um, shooter, uh, right. which is a, about the worst thing you could have um, right. in the NBA. And, and it's funny that we're talking about this, and the guy that uh, Jonathan Wasserman just compared him to on this on this podcast um, a few days ago was DeMar DeRozan as a, as a possibly slightly better version. But just to, I don't know, to bring the point home, and I know this is like, it's almost like talking around in circles, but what I, it always comes back to when do you cash in your chips? Because like building an NBA team is two stages. You have to get your chips and then you have to know when to cash them in. It rarely comes together in such a perfect way, like, you know, like the Warriors. Yeah, right. Or exactly like you're saying, if you look at those two things, it rarely comes together as we just collect chips through the draft and those chips are winning Th- those are the chips we need to win right that yeah. rarely happens and i think that's rare. the part people miss again especially on the Knicks side because so many people have grown up seeing them make bad moves of trading picks yes. that i think it's skewed the way people look at how like the teams that are successful boston houston these teams stockpile assets like picks or young players and then they actually many times trade them. And, and let's go to my, my tweet that I sent out this morning. There were eight guys who played for the Toronto Raptors last night. One of those guys was taken with a Toronto Raptors draft pick, and that's Pascal Siakam, and he was taken with the 27th pick in the draft. Right. Everybody else on the roster that played last night, um, and I actually think everybody else on the active roster, I am pretty sure last night, was either was acquired in some way other than 
a Toronto Raptors draft pick. Right, right. So there's nothing that the thing that's been wrong has usually been the trade that they've made. But there's nothing wrong with taking, you know, a Kevin Knox yeah. and turning him into say what Kevin Knox could be in in four years, but yeah. it already is to match the timeline of a Durant. And and the and the tough part about this is we're sitting here having a conversation about what the Knicks can slash should do. And they have a front office that to say, let's 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 generously say unproven, but they've shown good signs. Right. Perry's shown good signs, right? Yep. Versus Masai Ujiri, who is, I would argue, the most as masterful uh, front office tactician uh, as my wife comes in from the backyard. It's okay. You can say hi. We're all friends here. Um, as as masterful a front office tactician uh, as there is in the league, and you look at all the deals that he made to put together this team, the Kyle Lowry trade way back when, the Kyle Lowry trade that he didn't make, Marcus Saul acquisition this year, the, obviously the Kawhi Leonard acquisition. Um, you well, know, the, the Lowry one is a perfect example, yeah. right? Because, you know, I think w- the way it worked now, trying to go through my memory, was wasn't that one that Do- Dolan supposedly stepped supposedly, in yeah. and said, no, we don't want to give up a draft pick. So it was the first time that he stepped in in a way that at that moment in time, every Knicks fan would have been, whoa, like yeah. this is, he's actually stepping in the right way. And now when you look back, you could say, um, you know, maybe that was the one time that the Knicks had pulled off that trade. It would have worked out for them. That's a, that's a, it's a sliding doors moment that now that I'm actually thinking about it, I kind of want to write something about that to see how that would have affected both teams. Yeah. Right. Um, cause it's, it is really interesting, but I, I guess the, the last thing I, I want to say on this is, so if you are in the camp that they, that now is not the time to cash in the chips, like you're not cashing them in for Anthony Davis for all the obvious reasons, because like JB just said, uh, it, it would be coming to a crappy team and you have to be banking on them signing some other, at least one other max guy in free right. agency. Or getting them after, right? Yeah. If not to, or, or something else on the line. For all of those reasons, there are, are, there's a valid argument to not trade for Anthony Davis right now, assuming New Orleans even wants what the Knicks have to offer, which is a separate issue. But let's just assume that New Orleans wants whatever the Knicks could offer. If you don't want to do it now, then isn't the next question like, all right, when do you trade in the chips? And yes, there is there is a world where Durant and Kyrie both sign here, or or Durant and, and Kemba, or Durant and Jimmy Butler, where they sign here and it's like, all right, great, we didn't need to trade for Davis, we're just, we're good. But if they don't, then, yeah, then, then where are you at? And you always are, are are the one to bring me back to like they're in a good spot because they have all these kids and they have a you know now it's the third pick in the draft and they would get another arguably good draft pick next year. But is that is that future really better than one with Anthony? Davis? Well, that's what we don't know because you know as much as we like to say you know Kevin Knox he's only nineteen right? <laughs> it's but it's like it really comes down to you get. Two and a half years on it. Forget their age. It's just about where they are on their rookie scale contract. Yeah. I think in two and a half years, you have to now make the real assessment of what do you think this player can be for us? Because the reason that point's key is that's around when you could still trade a player like that. And I think still have other teams look at it as potential. Once you get past that point, if, if you haven't shown something, then now they have to make the decision on that next step. Uh, fourth year club option. Yeah. And now they're going to become a, a possible free agent. There's a lot to it that it's like, it's not, and that rookie scale keeps going up in salary. So they're yeah. no longer as cheap. You yeah. know, like Frank, I think it's what, 6.1 million or something like Next that. Next year? No, the year if they picked up oh, his yeah. option. Yeah, it's about six, I think. So, you know, it starts to get where they're no longer just dirt cheap if they're a lottery pick. So I guess what I'm saying is, well, you have time because they're young. You got to remember, like, that time's not free forever. You get a couple years of it that they're young, they're relatively cheap, but then pretty quickly it becomes, they either got to become something or we're paying them, uh, they become a restricted free agent, we got to decide, do we sign them to that second contract? Like, that comes up quicker than you think. And there's also the the issue of, you're talking from a, a, a financial point of view, there's also the point of, like, when does the player 
start to really significantly lose value as a trade. Well, no, I, I guess that's, yeah, that's what I was kind of leaning to too with that two and a half year point is I'm saying. and But I think it's before two and a half years because it, let, let's take Dennis Smith Jr. for example. Right. If the Dallas Mavericks wanted to trade him a year ago, so let, let's say they wanted to trade him last July, they probably could have gotten uh, a pick in the mid-teens? Yeah, no. Right, for, for, some, him, for some guys, I think you're right. Because even Frank, you could argue, right? Like, Sure, yeah. The, if the Knicks traded him last summer, I think some team would have given up a pick in the low teens for right. him. Right, where now that's not... That's now I don't think... He, I would... I would I think there's a real argument that neither of those players would get a pick, maybe something in the late 20s. But probably not, yeah. So, like, you're talking, like, right now. Could, if the Knicks wanted, I'm not saying they would do this, but if the Knicks wanted to trade Kevin Knox literally today, what, what could they get for him in this draft? Could they get the 12th pick, the 13th pick? Man, mm, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But if he has another year, and, and again, yep. for, for every argument of he's only 19, Yes, that and you know who that argument was once made about? It was made about Pascal Siakam. And you know when they you know when you no longer needed to make that argument? About two months into his second year. So we're talking about a year and a little bit less than a year and a half ago. Right. Two months into his sophomore year, so not this season, last season, there were already signs like, oh, this Siakam guy, right? He's that's something. what I'm saying. It's it comes quicker. Smart than people, people already think. saw it. Right. And then obviously this year. So if you was, go through all the next year, and Knox doesn't take any jump. Your, Forget about all of next year. Your value on him is two, three months into yeah, next year. Your value is already down on what you can trade for him. Yeah. So it's so, and I think I sent out a tweet to this effect at some point this week, where I was like, so much of this is going to come down to the Knicks' own internal assessments you know, of their guys to be able to sell high if you're going to sell or yeah. play long. You know, it's just like in the stock, right? It's buy, sell, or hold. And it's that idea of like some of these are yeah. long plays. Yes. And to be able to assess that and say, you know what? We know Knox or even let's use Frank because he's a little further along. We know Frank really showed nothing in improvement last year. Yeah. But some reason internally, if you believe the long game is there for him and you get rewarded for that. And the teams that are successful are the ones that make that buy, sell, hold at the, the right – those decisions at the right time where yes. they're buying – when the price is low, yes. they're selling when the price is high, yeah. and maybe they're holding on to someone that signs are telling them not to. It's basically you you got to kind of do the opposite, and that's how you get that competitive advantage. Yeah, um, and, you know, we could hope that they are good at that skill. You're right. As a team, we don't, we don't, we're not sure. Um, all right, so before we go um, and uh, continue spending time with our children, which can you see what they're doing? Uh, looks like hopscotch. Is that hopscotch? I saw her hop. Okay, that's great. Um, I don't know if my daughter knows what hopscotch is, but I guess she could learn. Um, so before we go and rejoin them, um, a couple people over the last few weeks have asked us as the Clippers rumors are are ramping up for Durant specifically, and as uh, Brooklyn rumors are ramping up for I guess primarily Kyrie. People are kind of wondering, like, all right, well, what are what are both of those teams' um, cap situations? And can they get to double max space? Can they get to, or like, what's the deal for, like, single max space and, and all that stuff? So we just wanted to kind of go through that um, really quick. Let's start with the, the Clippers um, because they're the easier one. So basically... Um, the Clippers right now are uh, entering next year with um, with if they keep Danilo Gallinari and everybody else currently that they have committed on their salary, um, they do not have double max space. If they trade Danilo Gallinari into somebody's cap space, they open up double max. Right. Yeah, that, I think I think if they keep Gallo, they can get to depending on what they do with Beverly, they can get to around. 40, 43 million, something around that. If they then obviously to get to the double max, they would have to renounce Beverly and get rid of Gallo. And yeah, they, and they could get there. Yeah, I th yeah they if because Be Patrick Beverly's cap hold, um, I'm looking at it right now is nine point five million. 
And, so, and Gallo is around 22. So you put those two together. That's how you're getting to that. That's your second mass. Yeah, right. So, but they could, they could, so in short, renounce Beverly, move Gallinari. And Gall, listen, Gallinari is a guy who got some votes for all NBA teams um, this week. Right. And, it, and it's an expiring, right? And it's an expiring contract. And I was saying to you earlier, you're telling me like if the Jazz could get Gallo for one year at 22 million, they wouldn't jump at that chance. I absolutely think they would jump at that. So I don't think – I know a lot of people are talking about like, well, they would have to pay a steep price to move Gallo. I don't think they would. So if they if they just moved him, renounced Beverly's cap hold, they get the double max. Or keep Gallo, keep Beverly's cap hold, bring back essentially the exact same team that pushed the Warriors to six games in the first round minus some um, uh, Jermichael Green whose cap hold they would need to renounce. Um, and they could sign Kevin Durant. Right. They can just add to what they have. And the key thing, too, that's different, that's funny, what we were talking about before with the Knicks, is by having a high lottery pick, you carry the cap hold of that pick. Yeah. So it's like it's one thing where you're clearing your roster of players, and then you also obviously have those min roster charges. But it's also the draft pick. And the Clippers, why they're kind of unique, is they don't have to worry about any um, – they don't have to worry about that high lottery pick yeah. charge. So they can literally just clear the roster and they get a little extra space. That's what's different between them and the Knicks. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it is a significant difference. So, and I just want to say again, because maybe I, I maybe if I keep talking about it, it won't happen. I think the Clippers are a real threat. I'm worried about them. Like, I know people are sick and tired of everybody kissing Steve Ballmer's ass and Jerry West's ass and uh, who else is it? Doc well, Rivers' I was ass. even thinking when you have Lee Jenkins there. Yeah. Like, you think about, like, that impact if they, you know, even within the media, I feel like a little bit of, oh, you know, one of our own went there. He's part of maybe this team that came up with a unique way to recruit these guys. Because they're going into, like, you know, following guys around through the season, learning about different things. So. Yeah. Um, it's a lot better kind of story from a basketball standpoint to write than just, you know, how people view it with the Knicks of, okay, they just basically said, hey, we're New York and, uh, oh, you know, open up their, their coat and had nothing to bear but Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and then that was enough. Yeah. You know, which, look, it's not true. And, and the Knicks have done um, a masterful job, I think giving themselves the best chance at Kevin Durant as possible, putting all, you know, Royal Ivy, uh, DeAndre Jordan, um, who else? Uh, Alonzo well, Trier, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lance Thomas, Fisdale is the type of coach you would think would be attractive. So, but whatever, we'll see. Let's talk about Brooklyn quick before we go. Um, everybody's favorite topic. So let's start with this. Um, right now, uh, going into the offseason, uh, the Brooklyn uh, Nets – have if you take into account all of their committed salary for next year, minimum roster charges, and the two cap holds they have for the 17th and 27th pick in the draft, that second one that they acquired from uh, Denver. Was it Denver for uh, Freed, mm-hmm. um, they are at $60 million, which is obviously enough space, more than enough space for one max cap space, one max cap slot. That $60 million does not include D'Angelo Russell's cap hold, which is 21 um, points, $059 million. So um, if they keep everybody on their roster and they ha- and they keep D'Lo's cap hold, that would put them at having $27 million or $28 million in cap space, which is four and change short of what they would need to sign Kyrie Irving's max. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that also doesn't include, by the way, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's cap hold of $7.5 million. He's another guy that's that's a uh, restricted free agent. Um, can they get to one max? Yes, they can pretty easily. If they either, if they stretch Alan Crabb, who's a expiring contract at 18, what is he at? 18.5? 18.3 or something like 18, that. 18.5. If they stretch Crab, they could keep everybody else on their roster, they could keep D'Angelo Russell's cap hold, and they could keep Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's cap hold, and they would have just, 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 just enough space, if my math is correct, for um, a single max slot in the seven to nine year range, which Kyrie Irving slots in there. 
last thing on the Nets, if you're wondering, can they get to two max slots? They can, and here's how they do it. They deal away Alan Crabb and take back no money, which, and also deal away the 17th pick because that carries with it a not insignificant roster charge. Um, right, so maybe those two are going but, together. But I think, exactly, yeah. those two you package together. And I personally think some team out there would take on Krebs expiring for the 17th pick in this year's draft. So both of those are gone. You renounce D'Angelo Russell's cap hold. You renounce Rondé Hollis Jefferson's cap hold. And I think, again, if I math is correct, they could keep the rights to the 27th pick in the draft and still have enough, again, barely, for... Um, Two max slots. Yeah, and we're, I'm actually going to send out a picture after this of your uh, scratch <laughs> notes on your pad. So this isn't usually, you know, me. I'm big on like, oh, I'm in my spreadsheet pulling out the, the decimals. This was us over waffles with the uh, kids. Chocolate chip waffles. Well, you know, they're on our laps and we took out a pad and pen like old fashioned. And maybe this is how, um, you know, some teams... <laughs> Some teams actually do this. I think this is how Magic Johnson... No, Magic Johnson wasn't even worrying about the cap. Yeah, yeah. So so there could be... There could be the... You know, but we're, we're, we feel like we're in the ballpark to kind of give the idea, just I guess to sum up, I think Jonathan did a good job describing it, you know, more in detail. But to sum up, it comes down to if the Nets want to keep D'Angelo Russell and then sign another player, they can do it without really the help of anyone by just stretching basically Alan Crabb. That's what it comes down to. And then if they want two maxes, then they're going to have to trade Alan Crabb, probably with one of those draft picks, which also helps their salary, and then also um, let D'Angelo Russell go. One other thing we brought up that's just kind of an interesting conversation is with D'Angelo Russell, it makes sense. His cap holds around $21 So remember, the cap hold is the higher of that free agent cap hold that he carries or his qualifying offer and his qualifying offer is actually lower but his cap hold is still 21 million dollars what is his qualifying offer is like it's pretty i want to say it's only like i can't remember now but i remember it's around like 9 million yeah. or something something smaller yeah sure so but his cap hold is still at 21 million so if you see that don't be confused by that but you know what is he actually signed for and we were kind of going through some of the teams and we won't do too detail now but if you look at the teams that would have enough space to sign him which is a list of about seven, and you can expand it to like nine if other teams just make a couple moves. You know, you start crossing teams off, like maybe the Lakers, obviously, or, you know, a team like Atlanta that's already got Trey Young or yeah. the Mavs um, with Luka. And the list kind of gets small, and the question is, is there another way the, the Nets could gain some space? Is it they sign Russell for less than his cap hold, and that gives them a little bit more wiggle room to work with but i think that's a big debate of could you actually get them that cheap or and, could you not and rarely do do jb and i uh rarely do we vehemently disagree i don't think there is a prayer that he's not going to be able to find someone to pay him over 20 million dollars a year and i would say um and again i don't know what he values i don't know does he love living in brooklyn is he over the moon for that practice facility that we all love hearing about so much? Um, or would he go to a team like the Pacers? Right. Yeah, that you was know, the one we, we both thought I was think, possible. I think the Pacers would pay him close to a max in a heartbeat. Um, I think the Suns, regardless of who they end up picking in the draft, I think they're, they would they would want to pay him. And the other team that I think is really interesting is the Magic. And they could... Um, Keep Vooch's cap hold, which is not small, $19 million. Move Mozgov's expiring, which, again, they would need to attach a draft pick for, but they have a pick in the middle of this first round. I, I, again, I think there's going to be a lot of movement of contracts. Yeah. Well, in the, in the other part we're saying, yes. not to interrupt that bit, but it relates directly, is it's kind of ironic where the Knicks could end up this summer, where yeah. if they don't land one of the top players that they're targeting – and they suddenly need to take on salary to meet the min salary requirements. So for those that don't know, there's a $109 million cap. You have to spend at least 90% of that. Yeah. To, Which, to again, it. It, so, so if you don't, it's all it means is the money gets redistributed to your to your, to your players, which only in history, they only usually have done that teams about like four or five million dollars. Yeah. So the Knicks would be about 60 million short. 
which sounds like a lot, but a reason I was tying it to this is you could suddenly actually be in a position where a team like Orlando yeah. has like a Mozgov and it's the Knicks who are saying, oh, we want all those 2016 contracts. We want some of those guys because we can fill up the space, maybe get a draft pick. And then yeah. in a weird way, you might be helping a team like the Nets yeah. get the star player that you wanted to get. And and just to, to close this out and to bring it full circle, I brought up the idea before of, all right, if you if you don't put all your chips in the middle of the table now for Anthony Davis – and you possibly don't get Durant or, and, and Kyrie or Durant and whoever, what's the move? To me, the move is exactly what you just said. And I know a lot – I'm not the first person to, to say this. A lot of people have talked about this. Schwinney uh, at Posting and Toasting has written a, – wrote a whole article about this, is acquiring draft picks for taking on guys' salaries um, that are – that their existing teams want to get rid of either – for the reason we just talked about, because they want to sign someone else, or simply that they want to stay out of the luxury tax. And we forget about this in New York, but there's a lot of teams out there that operate as, like, they 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 just refuse. Right. They will, I mean, Charlotte uh, did the Dwight uh, for, what was it, was it Dwight for Biombo? Oh, right, because they get uh, it would put him To over get the out of the luxury, yeah. you know, whatever that And then even with them this ago. year, too, like, again, if Kemba... Yeah, signed right. Oh, absolutely. Somehow that supermax, they could be in trouble too. So yeah, so there's on both sides the, the getting rid of contracts, keeping people for yeah, the luxury. Yeah, there's, there's going to be opportunities, but then again, just to play devil's advocate, it's like, all right, great. So then the Knicks are going to have um, third pick in this draft, and let's say the a pick in the teens, and they acquire another pick in next year's draft that's probably going to land in the teens, or maybe even better than that. Where does it? What does it guarantee you? And I know that there are no guarantees in life. There are no guarantees in basketball. But if you, you know, and we could talk about this for another month and yeah, not, not arrive at any other conclusions. But we know what it, I, I still say we know what Anthony Davis is. So yeah. I mean, the only thing I guess I would add is that part of the reason you're, you stockpile picks other than to trade that excess yeah. is to say it is sort of a crapshoot of what when you're picking, right? Like yes. we see, you know. Where does Giannis land in the draft? Where does – there's tons of – you know, people have done it plenty now since the Knicks ended third. All the third picks that prove better, yeah. sometimes in the first, a lot of times in the second. So do you just have to keep drafting before you do hit the jackpot on one of these guys where like R.J. Barrett turns out to be the guy that many years from now we're looking back and saying, oh, wow, like imagine in the same draft it was Zion and R.J. Barrett. How did people not realize, yeah. you know – that those two were both going to be super. I don't know. I, but the point is, the more picks that you make, you either could end out like Orlando, where you keep making lottery picks and get, you know, or England. probably the Suns are the better example. Suns, Suns, right? Or Same. the Kings up in there's a ton. Year. There's a ton of examples. That's what people forget. Everyone looks at the Sixers. Yeah. But it's like no, there's a ton of teams that are in the lottery all the time, and they are nowhere from it. But if you have a lot of shots at it you have a better chance, obviously, of hitting on them. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I wrote in one of the newsletters a week or two ago about, like, the idea... Oh, I think I was talking about a trade-down, right? Yeah. Th- from 3 to 8 and 10, yep. and maybe even pick up a future pick from Atlanta. And somebody tweeted at me, like, this isn't the NFL. Well, you know what? Um, who, who spoke? Oh, God. Who wrote about... Someone wrote about this recently, and I'm forget, I forget who it is, but basically, like... The NFL has accepted the fact that that they don't they're not always the smartest. It's like you, it is a crapshoot. The NBA I think suffers from this like, oh no, we know who's going to be the star. We know who's going to be really good. Well, guess what? We just saw a team make the Eastern Conference Finals. There is or sorry, the NBA Finals. There's not a single lottery pick on that roster. Not one on Toronto. And it's like how, you know, we don't know. I mean, maybe maybe there is something to taking more bites at the apple. And I'm not talking about trading the third pick for eight second round picks, but like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I and, and it, it all relates back to Anthony Davis because again, what's the great thing about Anthony Davis? You know what he is. You already know, right? We already know exactly what he is. He's a top five player, went healthy. 
and a potentially generational talent. I, I this somehow this podcast came off as me trying to sell a Davis trade. I was gonna I'm, say yeah, I think you. Uh, <laughs> I think Jeremy is infected by my think, and I'm still not sold on it. I'm right. still on the fence. Right. Well, it's just because it does depend on the context it around depends, it. Yes. So that's why even with the KP trade, when people are gonna say, you know, if the Knicks don't get two max players. It's like, no, it's all the context about what do they do. I mean, even with Noah, right, stretching Noah, you know, you could say, oh, geez, look, see, if the Knicks didn't stretch him, they could still have made that decision or not. But, yeah, I guess so. But you also are looking at um, what what else do they do with that cap space? What yeah. was the culture like in a locker room? Would it have been different with other distractions? There's so many things, the context around these things, it's not always so cut and dry. So I think yeah. with Anthony Davis, it really is – what else do they do will tell us whether or not they should make that trade. And the and the last thing I want to say, and I because I I texted you something along these lines um, this week. I I wonder because the Knicks have have gone about with this air of almost arrogance since the season ended, right? Right. In terms of public appearances from the front office and Fizdale. It's almost like they know they know that the worst case scenario they come out of the summer with still isn't gonna be that bad. I wonder if they already have assurances that like Kemba and Jimmy are willing to come here. Like as like a worst case scenario. And if that's the case, and I know a lot of Knicks fans cringe at the idea of then, okay, sign those two guys to a max, great, you're a three or a four seed for the next four seasons. Um but, and this is, I think, what keeps me coming back to the Anthony Davis thing, is is just that idea of, like, can you acquire Davis and then definitely put two guys around him? Um, I don't know. It's interesting to me, and I think it's something that we should really start to think about, just because, again, I don't think KD is a short thing. Yeah, or, yeah, or just even that order is important of... If yes. you get the two guys, yeah. even if it's not Davis, the point is because they have those other chips, this isn't like 2010 where you got Amari and everyone said, oh, it was clearly like not, you know, they're basically were spending to spend at that point. Even though, you know, you could argue when they made that signing, some say like they still thought they were going to use him, but to acquire, but I felt like once yeah. they made that sign and they knew they were out. Um, the point is once you, even when you sign Kemba and Jimmy, if that's the way they go, you could still then acquire any name, any other big time player yeah. using all those same chips we're talking about to trade for Davis. Yeah. And the fact that you still can either use the young players you have to make the team better or trade them to get another player to make the team better. That, I think, is what makes it where you could live with a possibility that you sign to maybe not super superstars, but very, very good players because maybe you you later add that third piece and, that's a superstar. And also the in the world in which you are signing Kemba and Jimmy in this scenario, the top guys, meaning KD and Kawhi, have said no to you. Right. So would you at that point as an organization have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, are we ever going to have a more, like a better, like the guy that's been linked to us for a year just said no to us. Right. Do we really want to go forward and like bypass I, the opportunity to get these really good players in here? Or do we want to say, you know what, maybe for all we're trying to sell, we need to just like get to a baseline level of competence on the basketball floor first before another, like someone else is really going to Yeah, i got to stop uh, dating models and find the girl I can marry is what you're saying. <laughs> is that what I'm saying? <laughs> because, yeah, you're just saying if you're, you're saying if you're not getting the top, top of the line that you're saying, yeah, but I can at least find someone that I can start building like a foundation with. Yeah, but it might. It, but other than just waiting to say I'm only going to go top shelf or nothing. No, but your your analogy is like. I am. I would then divorce. Yeah, no, that's true. Right, it's not the, quite that. Right, the homely looking. It's uh, it's not quite that. You're troll right. that I brought home at three thirty in the morning. Um, once I felt secure enough, you know, in right, my, right, in my right. Mind. No, no, right, no, and that's actually good. Maybe to tease that out because it's what what it's saying is by signing players. I think what you the way you're sort of when I was listening, you're saying like, well, maybe they have to just decide to sign somebody to start the foundation. And I think some people could hear that as 
No, that's what they've done in the past. They wouldn't get their plan A, so they would settle for plan B. I think this is different, though. It's not saying you're settling for plan B. It's saying you're seeing a different route because one that clearly didn't work out in just getting Durant with everything linked to them. Yeah. You're saying we might have to take a different route other than just having cap space in Madison Square Garden to sell. Yeah. We need to have a team that's, you know looking like they could be competitive because yeah. we're going to see who won, right? So if the Clippers were the team that got them, then teams are going to look at their model and say, okay, so it turns out you got to show some iterative process, yes. especially yeah. if Durant in a press conference says, you know, a report's going to come out, like he's yeah. going to sign and oh, we're going to hear a report. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, he was really leaning towards the Knicks, but when he saw that they like won 17 games, he got turned off, whatever it is. Yeah. Then that's what they would be reacting to. It wouldn't be them saying, we struck out, so now just for the sake of spending, and, we're going to spend. And also, you know, and we all fall into this. You literally just said it. That they so many times in the past they've done this. No, it hasn't been so many times. In the past 20 years, which is, I consider the modern free agency era, they have had two, two opportunities with, Matt, with significant cap space in the summer. One, they used all that cap space on a broken down Joakim Noah and Courtney Lee who no one is confusing with Kemba Walker and Jimmy Butler as right. they are right now. Yep. And the other time they signed Amare and some middling players. And guess what? You know what? A, if they had made a move or two differently during that, during after that, like, we don't know where that... No, Amare, there was a lot, like, let's face it, for a lot, for a younger generation, and we can, I guess we have to say that now because we're... <laughs> But like for people who don't, for people who don't remember the '90s, which I'm realizing is a lot of people who follow us probably on Twitter, it's yeah. like your only time you remember the Knicks being good was that little period. Like remember that first stretch when like pre, oh I remember mellow pre insanity with when Amari uh, was an MVP candidate. It's like I remember thinking to myself like yeah, this it felt like for that short stint like what Patrick Ewing days even because here is like a big man in the garden and every night he's coming out and then obviously. You know, even when Melo came, while there was all the issues that might have came up, there was that great season and obviously injuries and whatnot. But the point is, they had some periods of success there. No, it wasn't. He, let's even go a step further. And I can't believe we're sitting here now. It's not even June, and we're already trying to talk ourselves into Jimmy Butler and Kevin Walker. Uh, welcome to life as a Knicks fan, everybody. Um, but like. If you could actually argue that that iteration of the Knicks went about as poorly as it could have gone, given Amare's um, injury issues mm -hmm. and the fact that they absolutely bumbled up um, the uh, Chauncey Billups amnesty situation Tyson, yeah. to sign Tyson Chandler. Like those two things were one was an egregious error and one was not terrible luck because they knew about Amari's needs. And yet that team was still favored to go to an Eastern conference finals. Right. And they, you know, one or two plays go differently in that series. And that, that may have actually happened. Would they have ever won a championship if, you know, if things gone, had gone differently with that core, maybe not. But I, I guess my point is that maybe we are a little quick to shoot down the plan, I guess it would be plan B, right. you know, alternative. Yeah, well, we'll see. We still, what are we at? Well, we're what day is today? Yeah, it's May 26th. So we made it to Memorial Day, which means this is the last holiday. By the next holiday. July 4th. We, probably that weekend, we're going to finally know and we no longer have to well, well, maybe not. You know, some of these things stretch a little bit. But the point is, at least we're within range. Like, we've been talking about this stuff for so long now that I'm just like, let's just get there so we know and we can actually break down based on what happened rather than all this, you know, speculation as fun as it is. I just, yeah, no. I wonder what the first domino is that's going to be. And I, I keep talking about this point. What's going to be the first domino to fall? Do you think, well, let's finish on this. Do you think Davis gets traded um or a, a, a Davis trade is announced by draft night? No, just because I think that there are teams' offers that will depend a little bit on where guys go. Like, whether it's Kyrie with Boston, mm -hmm. whether it's obviously with the Knicks, if they want to do the two max guys first. Now, again, they could 
have an agreement, you know, in principle or whether it's like, okay, it seems like we're going to make this trade, yeah. but because of all the ramifications of the salary matching, if you sign guys first, the, you know, when you sign, because, you know, the Knicks could just trade their draft pick for Anthony Davis and, and nothing else if they're just taking them into space. You know, that's what people always forget. It's only, you only need to match the salary if they fill up their salary. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, a trade could happen early. But I just think there's too much with the Kyrie and Boston situation and with the Lakers, who the hell knows what's going to always pop up with them and yeah. whether or not they actually want to deal with them or not. Well, I think that's – I would actually say the only way that I, – I, I think – I agree with you. I don't think it's going to get done by draft night. And I think the only way that it does is maybe if the Pelicans are in love with a particular player that they could get with the Lakers' fourth pick that they don't – that the, that they do not think the Lakers are going to draft with that pick themselves because then they wouldn't be able to get that player right later know. on in trade yeah. yeah yeah but no I think it's I think it's still I mean as much as Kawhi I guess could obviously be the the real X factor here I still think oh yeah we've well, seen in past summers the the quote biggest fish who has the most possibilities to go yeah is going to drive the market and to me that's Durant yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're right. All right, we've been talking for a while. Let's go rejoin our families. Yeah, that's probably the smart thing we do. Yeah. Everybody out there, thanks for uh, tuning in to another episode of the Next Film School Podcast. Oh, uh, let's, real quick, if anybody out there is listening and has not signed up for our newsletter, if you want to be kept up to date on literally every piece of minutia um, in a way that you could scroll through, it literally takes four minutes to scroll through um, the newsletter every day. And it's free. There is no cost to the newsletter. Um, so go to, I think, what, either of our Twitter pages. Yep. And, and you can uh, just subscribe right there. Yeah, and subscribe right there. And um, and you also get, uh, you've been writing every single you get my there. You get my brilliance on a, on a daily basis that I, that I write on the train every morning. Uh, I, I actually, I enjoy writing them. Um, all right. So uh, we'll see you soon. And uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode.